Have you ever uh, been in a moment where you where you did or you operated in some way that surprised you? It could be for good or for bad. Um, usually we have one of those moments, and when I think back, um, and, and often those moments can be a little bit defining for us. Uh, I remember I was in elementary school, and uh, I don't know my age, six, you know, something like that. And we were playing, I think it was called Greek dodgeball, you know, circle here and a circle here, and, you know, you're throwing the ball, you're trying to get people out, that kind of thing. And, uh, <clears throat> and I remember uh, I was not exceptional at Greek dodgeball. Uh, there were people there, guys who could throw a lot harder than I could. Perhaps there were girls there who could throw harder than I could. And I know at least one girl that actually could move a lot faster than I could, Rosemary Soans. I still remember her name. Um, she could outrun every guy, I think, in our class. But the cool thing that happened for me that day is um, everybody on our side, which was like 30, 40 people, was thrown out. And I was the last person standing. And there were like, you know, 20 on the other team. And uh, here's, here's what I remember. I remember the cheering. Because what happens is you have these circles, and when your guys are out, they go to the other side of the circle. And the idea is you want to throw the ball through from both sides and get them out. But I remember them cheering. And... Um, and, you know, then you have to go into strategy mode. You know, you want to throw the ball, but you don't want to get them out. Sometimes I would throw it over them to my guys on the other side because they can't get thrown out. If they, ca if they catch your ball, you're out. And this went on for, I don't know, 10, 12 people on their side. And it was really coming down to that point where I thought, I might pull this off. And, of course, I didn't. Um, but I remember that day. I remember the day... Um, it was just a day. It was just recess. But it's a moment that I remember. It's a moment that carried significance for me uh, just as, as a formidable kid. Uh, and so we have these moments, and these moments have the power to define us. Do you know that God orchestrates moments? He puts together moments, and his desire is that we step into those moments with him. That's where growth happens. That's where faith uh, is, is found and is forged, is in the moment. Everything happens in the moment. Nothing happens outside of the moment. Nothing and when we begin to see the power and the value of the moment, we begin to understand how important and what a gift life is in the gospel. Because all of a sudden, the potential of a moment becomes enormous. God paid for this moment for you. When I got up this morning, I entered into a day that was gifted to me through the gospel. It's 
It's a day that God has assigned a value to. Your life, God has assigned a value to. Maybe you feel like you haven't accomplished anything. You've never almost won at Greek dodgeball. I don't know. Maybe you look at your life and it looks mundane. But I, I want to suggest what makes the value of something is what somebody is willing to pay for it. I saw a Mercedes. It was what they call a barn find. It was like a 1916 Mercedes. It had been put in a garage and left and forgotten. And somebody found it and they put it up for auction. And the car went for almost $2 million, I believe. So what was that car worth? Well, it was worth almost $2 million. Why do we know that? Because that's what somebody was willing to pay for that car. Your life has been assigned a value. This day has a value. And Jesus placed the value on you. That he would give everything if it were just you. He wasn't dying for a people group. He was dying to bring back together you and him, me and him. So this day, your life has now incredible value. That's what makes the moment so powerful. It's because God's purpose, his plan, that he reenacted, he put back together in your life, that has been put together with our awareness that God is in play in the moment. And the moment becomes endless in its potential. No matter how benign or mundane that moment may look, you see, it levels the playing field for somebody that gets up in the morning, Donald Trump, or, you know, somebody like Bill Gates. When they get up in the morning, we think their potential in that day is greater. That is not so. You see, what levels the playing field for all of us is we carry the potential and the purpose of God in that day. That's what makes our day as powerful as theirs. It makes it as important as theirs. And there will be a moment in time, here and there and here and there, where you would not believe the potential of your life. You, me, the potential of our life. But you see, you have to understand, it'll be in that moment. That's where it will be. Um, I can't recall his name right now, but he was a uh, relief pitcher for the... Cubs. And he came out, I think he threw two pitches. I know we have some Cub fans here, so probably they already have his t-shirt. Um, but he was a reliever that actually came into the team at the beginning of the year. He was a no-namer. Nobody knew who this guy was. But he came in, he threw two pitches, and he wins the seventh game of the World Series, and he wins the World Series. You know what he said? It, it happened so fast, I, I didn't really... That's what happens with moments. They're like here, and then they're gone, and you have to pay attention, or you can miss the moment. You can miss it. You see, nobody, nobody will forget that this no-namer comes in and wins the game with two pitches. He didn't break a sweat. Well, he's probably sweating just walking out there knowing, you know, the winning run is on base and his job is to get them out. 
So maybe he was already sweating when he got up there. But it wasn't the pitching. You see, it was the moment. In Scripture, we read <clears throat> in Corinthians, and we've already gone over this, but I want to hit this again. It says, we are a new creation. It says, all, verse 18, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see what he's doing? He is, he is right now putting significance in your day, in your life, in your moment, right now. He's saying, I'm giving you charge of a task that was important enough to me that I died for it. I'm putting you on that task. He gave us the ministry. He gave us the service of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was re re reconciling the world to himself. You see, that's what he's doing. And he's making you a minister of that. He's making you a player in his story. God's story is happening. It's unfolding. Nothing's going to stop God's story. We are now stepping into that story. We are stepping into the most powerful story on the planet and in history. Not only that, we are stepping in on the winning side. We're stepping into that story. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Verse 19, and he has committed to us, he has given it to you and I, the message of reconciliation. Some call it the wonderful message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are his representatives. As though God were making his appeal through us. All right. Do you hear how that language sits? It's as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you see how that could make your day pretty important? Do you see how the way you look at circumstances and people is now important? Much of the New Testament is really working hard to get you and I out of the center of our life. Do you know that? The world really encourages you to be in the center of your life. You know, be all you can be means be all you can be for you. Uh, I, I look after my affairs. I look after my circumstances. I'm going to do what's best for me. The whole New Testament is about you being willing and trusting Christ that you're going to put him in the center and take you out of the center of your life. See, because that's the only way you can carry out God's purpose. Our, our wrestling matches, that's tough to give up. Why? Because you, more than anybody else, feel your pain. You more than anybody else knows your disappointment. You more than anybody else knows your loneliness. You more than anybody else knows your identity issues. Knows your struggles with your mother, your father, your spouse. You know and experience all those things all the time. And all those things work to push you back in the center. And when we're in the center, here's the opportunities that we will see. I will see the ones that benefit me. Those are the ones that will, I will see. 
in that moment, I'll go, really? So she likes me, huh? Really? Oh, that changes everything. You see, in that moment, I'm listening for me. When we put Christ in the center, when that becomes our effort, we'll hear totally differently. We will see differently. I already told you the story where, you know, Melinda was the godly one and I wasn't uh, at the Mexican restaurant. I told that in Mexico also. In, in Latin America, they will tend to see the pastor as kind of the holy man kind of thing. Uh, so I think when I tell those stories, they're really not quite sure what to do with the holy man, except that they know he's, you know, not unholy, but um, uh, not very perfect, um, which is good that they know that. So God is making this appeal. And then Paul goes on to say, you know, Billy, really, that's why we employ you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled. You see, we become people of the moment. That's who we become. In the gospel at work, I like to look at Hebrews 13. Uh, we're not going to read this whole thing, but it says, don't forget, verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing about it. You see, God, if he's always at work, and Christ is always at work, and Christ is at work in us and through us, and the Father is working through us, you see, we're encountering angels. We're encountering people. We're encountering problems. But what we're really doing is we're stepping in and through opportunity that connects with the purpose of God. And it is just the most amazing thing when it happens. We see that it's working. It's happening. Even if we don't recognize it, it's happening. And what the scripture is saying here in Hebrews is, live your life in such a way that you know that it's happening around you, whether you can see it or not. Do you see that difference there? Know that it's happening. Know that the purpose and plan of, of God are going on around you. And if you're going to engage it, it will be because you were looking and listening for what cannot be seen. You see, when Melinda engaged the people at the restaurant, she started speaking to them in Spanish, really developed a rapport with this lady. There wasn't anything to be mined. She just went for it. You see... You just begin to invest in things that aren't there. And all of a sudden, they're there. And then the, the slow person says, oh, there's something there. But you see, the person walking with Christ is investing those seeds all the time. Like it says in Matthew 13. You know, we're reckless with those seeds. Why? Because I'm not sure where the fertile soil is. I'm not exactly sure what God is doing in every life around me. So I'm going to treat everyone as an opportunity to hit the long ball. Everyone. Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15 and 16. It says, be very careful then how you live. 
Not as wise, unwise, but as wise. Making the most of what? Every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Be careful. Be wise. When you're walking through your life, be careful. Be wise. Why? Because you're walking through opportunity. You know, sometimes we're just kind of the bull in the china closet. We're knocking people out of the way. And, you know, we're just kind of trashing our environment. Not realizing we're stepping on opportunities, you know, we're, we're knocking things over spiritually. God has to get a cleanup crew in there afterwards to clean it up because we just weren't careful. We weren't wise. Colossians. Paul gives the same kind of counsel. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, play the opportunity like it's live. Play it like, like something is happening. Why? Because you don't know. You don't know. I'm going to tell on Melinda again. And I'm not trying to say Melinda's perfect. You know. But she gets some things right. So we were in Veracruz. And uh, we we're praying for this young lady. And she is borderline hostile. Uh, she did not want to be prayed for. And she starts crying and saying, I don't want to cry. And she starts kind of stomping her feet. You know, it looked a little, little iffy. And then she got up and walked away. She got up and walked out. She left. I thought, okay, we probably pushed that a little too far. But then she comes back into the room on her own. I'm like, why did she come back? I mean... Why is she here? So we're praying for this lady. And all of a sudden, Melinda walks this girl over. We're praying for somebody else. Yes. And Melinda walks this young lady over who had left the room. And, and Melinda said, she had asked her, I'm going to say, do you want to pray? Is that what you said? And she said, I don't know how. So Melinda said, here, we'll show you. So she walks her up. And the next thing you know, she's praying, laying hands on and praying for this lady's knee. And we're telling her words to say and kind of what's going on. So we go from this one point where there's this hostile and leaving the room and stomping your feet to now she's praying for the sick to be healed. This is like 10 minutes. But you see, somebody had to recognize that moment different than it was just an oops or something like that. Somebody had to discern and take some risk. And I really don't know how Melinda started that conversation. But it's important that you realize the moments of your life matter. 
The people who are walking around you, whether you understand it or not, matter. And you have more power in that moment than you may know. There's, there's a lot of understanding about giftings. And some people have a gift of healing and maybe some people a gift of prophecy. And this is true. People can have these kinds of giftings. But I'll tell you something else that you can understand in the text is God will use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, to do whatever he wants. And that means that every gift there is, is available to you in the moment. It's absolutely available in the moment. And when you're in a moment where somebody needs healing, it's your moment. When you're in a moment where somebody is hopeless, that's your moment. And you can commiserate with them. Oh, yeah, your life does suck. Yikes. I'm sorry. Um, go to church. Um, get some counseling. Or we can see that God is at work. And you make your move. <clears throat> To give you just a few bullets here on the moment. You see, the moment is where the Holy Spirit is at work. He's all about the moment. That's why we can't wait to go to church and think that's the moment. The moment is whenever it is. It's when you're out there, when you're somewhere, and all of a sudden, that moment is there. And you get to act upon it. In the moment, that's where you are the ambassador. It's in that moment. It all happens. It lives and it dies in the moment. You were created and saved to operate as a full ambassador. Every one of us. You're not lacking anything to rightly and completely represent Jesus. You see, that has to be true, or we are not able to operate in the moment, are we? Some people can operate in the moment, some people can't. But you see, that is not true. The people of Jesus are empowered to operate completely in the moment. And the way they do that is through the connection with him. We'll see that in a moment. In a moment. The front line for the Holy Spirit, where it works, is right now, wherever you are in your day, in your night. I think very often, and I mentioned this before, uh, we see ourselves more as ambassadors of the church. And we see that as kind of synonymous with being an ambassador for Jesus. But that is not really true. You see, because the ambassador for the kingdom, for Jesus, is the priority that actually creates the church. That's the fundamental piece that creates the church. The church outside of Jesus has, has no value. People connected just to church doesn't, doesn't really have value. People that are connected with Jesus, their moment changes. 
So in light of that, Sunday is a collective celebration of what the Spirit has been doing in our moments between corporate gatherings. When we show up on Sunday, we should have a story. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking, let's say if Jesus attended our church. He said, hey, Jesus, uh, gosh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. So how was your week? It was good. Had a good week. Hey, did you have any God moments this week? No, not really. Really? Jesus, you had no God moments. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I was walking around. I don't guess God was doing much where I was at. Wouldn't you find that a little bit disappointing? It's like, really? I mean, you walked around a whole week and you never crossed a moment where God was at work. But if I said that or you said that, we wouldn't think that near as strange. Oh, yeah, well, me too. You know, I, I was busy and I wasn't really around other people. I was only around my kids. Oh, well, you never need a God moment with your kids, right? I mean, kids are just perfect and, you know, don't need any intervention from God. So, so I think about that and I think, you know, we miscalculate our opportunities. That's because in my week, I was busy working for me. And so in that, in that time, I have to be able to understand God is at work around me. And it's those times when I get to see and I get to do and I get to play. We read in the text where Jesus sends out the 12. Many of you are familiar. Then he sends out the 72. Um, and he sends them out not as ambassadors of the church. He sent them out as ambassadors of the kingdom. He didn't go out and say, hey, tell people to go to church. Tell people to come to church. I know people are going to think, wow, you really don't like the church. That's really not true at all. I love the church. But if we're giving people the wrong message, if somebody tries to give me the church in the place of Jesus, here's what's going to happen. The church is going to fail me. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't like the church, don't ever want to go back to a church because they were looking for Jesus and we gave them the church. They were looking for something that was powerful and something that was generous and something that was capable uh, and the church isn't always power, gen power, powerful, generous, and capable, is it? Church sometimes is other things. He sent them out, proclaiming the kingdom of God and the good news. I want us to look at the story in Matthew 10 about him calling the 12 to send them out. I think we often misunderstand this text because we, we read it differently. So we're going to look at this text, and there's a, we're not going to go all the way through it because we don't have enough time to go all the way through it. But I want to go part of the way through it, and we'll finish it next week. We're going to start in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, and I'm already going to tell you I kind of took out everything between chapter 1 and chapter 5 because he's really just naming the disciples. So you can go look at that. 
So uh, chapter, one, ver- chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his uh, 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. All right, so he called them. He said, I'm giving you authority. I am giving you the credentials. I'm giving you the power, the capability to do what I do. That's what he really said. I'm giving you the power to do what I do. The things you have experienced me doing, things you have watched, I'm giving you that power. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, all right, focus in. As you go, Proclaim this message. As you go, here's what you need to be focusing on. This is what you need to be. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I, I think we can totally get bogged down in that. I mean, he talked about raising the dead. Uh, talked about leprosy. You might say, I, I don't know what leprosy is. I've never met anybody with leprosy. <clears throat> but you're going to have to wrestle with those verses to be a people of the moment. Let me translate those verses for you. Proclaim the message and be me in the moment. And I will be there. Proclaim the right message and then do the things I would do in that moment. You meet the, the need of that moment, whatever it is. What he's saying is, there are no boundaries on what I am capable of in any moment. And so that moment will determine what is necessary. If you're not around leprosy, you won't have to worry about finding that. If you don't have a dead person around, that probably won't be necessary also. But you need not look at those verses and say, that is too big for me. Because your moment And the power necessary for it is already put in place. That's Jesus. Step into your moment. So, when we look at these, we're going to have four bullets that come out of this. These are four teaching points, if you will, that come out of those verses. One You're given the authority to rightly represent me. You've got everything it takes. Go represent me. If you don't feel it, I don't care. If you've never done it before, it doesn't matter. What Jesus is saying is, you've got it. That's my promise. Number two, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Number three, demonstrate the presence of the kingdom. Do it. Write the check. Four, freely give what you have freely received. It's all a gift. 
We move on. Verses 9 through 15. Do not get any gold or silver or copper take with you in your, uh, in your belts. No bags for the money, extra shirts or sandals or staff. Uh, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, you know, search for a worthy person. Stay with them. As you enter the home, give greeting. Um, I'm gonna, just going to skip down. If anyone knows, he's given some rules here, but I'm going to pull it to a punchline. Don't trust in the normal things that sustain you. That sustain you and protect you. They are vulnerable in the system of the world. What the world is giving you, the world can take away. Your paycheck, your whatever it might be. What he's saying is, to walk in my shoes, you're going to have to learn to rely on me. It means that your relationship with God, your connection with him will be your greatest investment working this way. Time with God, listening to God, connecting with God. Why? Because it's going to be the source that you would normally get all your needs met from the world, from family, from friends. If not, you will be vulnerable to the system that you're working in. If you're not, you will be vulnerable to the environment that you're in. It will dictate your moment instead of the, of the Holy Spirit. We have to be ready to step into what he can do for us. Verse 16 through 20. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, he uh, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils. You will be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings uh, as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Uh, but when they arrest you, don't worry about what you will say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Boy, I want you to realize what's happening. He says, I'm sending you out. You're going to have the authority. I will make sure of that. Here's what I want you to do with it. Oh, by the way, your ability to be sustained, to be protected, that's going to have to come from a source that is me. And now, I want you to know what it's going to look like when you get out there. He says, four things. I'm sending you out as innocent, peaceful people into a hostile and plotting reality. That's what he's saying. I'm sending you out a certain way. I don't want you to change that. I don't want you to change to meet your environment. I want you to stay exactly the way I'm sending you in. I want you to be gracious, and I want you to be kind. And I want you to be incredibly wise and shrewd. And yes, you can be both. 
That's how we're going to be effective in that environment. I'm sending you into a hostile place, but I'm calling you to be different than that environment. Number two, it will require that you be shrewd and innocent. Number three, heads up, you are going to be handed over to the systems, to political systems, to social systems. You are going to be violated by these things on occasion. And you're going to be punished by that system. But I want you to know, it will be my purpose in play. When Paul was put in prison, it was some of his greatest ambassador work. He went to this ruler and this ruler and this ruler and this ruler. He was preaching all the way up the food chain. There was no way he could have done that. He was sustained by a purpose. And in the moment, he shared the gospel at every level. That was God doing that. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan. You see, God will completely infiltrate the world and its systems from the best of the systems to the most corrupt because his message will be spoken everywhere. But it will have to be people who can step into that moment with a clear sense of their purpose and their value and with the trust for God that he will succeed and so will they. Number four, one of my favorites. Don't worry about what to say in the moment. I will be right there the whole time. You're never alone in the moment. I am with you. That's what will make the difference. I will give you the words for that moment. You see, he can't give you the words in advance. Why? Because every moment is different. I've, I've uh, told a story. Um, you know, I was a youth pastor at Houston Vineyard, and uh, we were, had worship, and our youth group had, had a big transition, and we had 60 or 70 kids, probably most of them did not know Jesus, were not churchgoers. They were just showing up for reasons that only God knows. And, uh, and I felt like the Lord told me, I have a word for everybody tonight. I was very excited about that. And I was looking around my youth leaders kind of thinking, okay, who's got the word? Who's got the word? And God said, it's one of the youth. And here's my thought. Okay, I confess. I thought, great, God, we're never going to get it. That's a dead end there, you know. And so I began to pray for all the youth. And, uh, and then I began to explain to them what is a word and God might be speaking to you and it's for the group. And, you know, if you want to, Give that, go up to the microphone, you can give it. If not, you can give it to a leader and maybe they can share it. And as I'm walking around praying for people, this girl sitting on the very back of the church, as I walk by, I'm praying for people, she said, it's me. And, I, you know, she never paid attention. She's sitting in the back, usually doing homework. And uh, I said, it's you. She said, it's me. I said, well, do you want to get up and share it? She said, no. And then she got up and she shared it. She just walked up to the front and shared it. And here's what she did. She walked up to the microphone. She said, God's here. And he wants you to know he's here for us. And she turned around and she sat down. I thought that was it. That's the message. That's it. I could have said that. 
And just the power of God came. And all of a sudden, people are weeping and they're on the floor and they're confessing sin. I mean, some serious sin. They're confessing some sin. People that just came in the door, a guy rolled down the street. He saw kids going in this place. He had rollerblades on. He just rolled right in the door. He's confessing sin. I don't even know who this guy is. And weeping on the floor. All this is going on. And I thought, you see, that's the moment. That's it. That's what it looks like. You see, she stepped into her moment, and it changed everything. You see, the words, when God is moving, he can decide what word is powerful. It can be rock. You know, it doesn't matter. God decides how he's going to move. It's his call. And in our obedience, we say that thing. She took a great risk, don't you think? Don't you think someone who is shy, somebody who's sitting on the back row, somebody who has never spoken in any kind of form at all, and all of a sudden, she's walking to the front in front of all these people, and she shares this word. That's great risk. God changed everything that night. Verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Do you know this is happening in different parts of our world? You realize this is not written just for South Texas, Brazoria County. This is written to apply to the whole world. And if you read different parts of this, really apply heavily in one place or the other. So when you read it and you go, wow, that's all really foreign to me. The essence is the same. It's about trust. It's about moving with God. It's about stepping into the risk in the moment that he has for you. For these people, it happens all the time. A family is betraying kids and parents. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So when we recap those verses, we see that in some places, the challenge will be very difficult and it will divide societies and families and some will even kill over it. It will happen. It is happening. And what God is saying is, I am with them in their moment. And then they're with me in the next moment. In some settings, you will be hated by the masses. This will be a time that you have to just stand firm in your identity and know that my purpose is still at work in you, still bearing fruit. Sometimes you just have to stand. And the next one says something interesting. Sometimes you just have to run. Good words. Go somewhere else. It's time to get out of there. Why is that okay? Why is he telling some to run and some to stand? It's about the moment. 
You see, that's why we listen to him. Is he's going to say, stand. Or he's going to say, you need to get out of there. Why, God, aren't you going to protect me? Yes, I'm going to protect you. As long as you can run a four-minute mile, you are completely covered. So I suggest you go. I got another town we're going to. We have more work to do. You see, you see how the moment can make us look like, well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to live in the moment and to trust and believe that you will be about changing the world you live in if you step into that. You were created for this moment. Your design, your capabilities. This means that you're equipped to fully deliver the full measure of God's power and his love. Now, what this will do, folks, it will push you to go this way. Living in the moment pushes you to talk to God. I mean, that forces me to speak to God. It forces me to depend on him. All of a sudden, I'm surrounded by angry people, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, I'm supposed to love these people. God, how do I love these people? God, what's going on? What are you doing in this moment? What is the Father doing? That's the language. What's he doing right now? You see, I know he's doing something. What's he doing right now? And that's where we engage with God. That's where we get to know him better. We get to know his, how he moves us, how he speaks to us better. Those things begin to click inside us. We come to know him better. Have you ever been in a situation or you were sharing with someone, or trying to share with someone, and your thought was, oh, I wish so-and-so were here. You know, they've prayed for people, been successful, or they know how to say this stuff and not mess up. You know, they speak much better. I wish Bill were here, or I wish Melinda was here, or I, miss, I wish somebody else was here. But it's not their moment. It's yours. It's mine. I'm there. I can step into that moment. I can be everything. You hear how empowering that is? You know, somebody needs prayer and, you know, really sick and you wish. And I, I mean, I, I can think of people in my church that I think pray for the sick better than I do. Uh, and they are here um, today. They're here actually. Uh, but if they're not there, if it's me, Jesus is there, and my number's called, and I'm up, and I can enter into that reality with a full assurance of who I am. They're not getting second best. They're not getting, you know, kind of the, the downgraded version. They're getting an intentional moment where Jesus encounters them. I happen to be up. I'm the, I'm the relief pitcher. 
that just came on at the beginning of the year. It doesn't matter when I showed up. What matters is it's a moment defined by God. So, whatever your gifts, whatever your capabilities, whatever your doubts, whatever your struggles, God is with you in your moments. And if we begin to see those moments, we begin to see our struggles, our trials, as a moment where God is at work. Tori, could you come up here, please? The answer would be yes, you can. Tori had a moment this morning. I want her to share her moment. That might sound small in some ways, but you see, this is where we begin. We begin today, right now. So Tori began this morning. Um, my dad and I were changing the lights, and we were struggling to get one of the lights out of the little thing that it's in. And so it literally took me 15 minutes to take the light out, but whenever I was trying to take it out, I was getting so mad, so I was like, you know what? I was like, God, please give me the strength to take out this light so therefore my dad and I can push through this so we can start and do your word, Lord, and get everything ready for Mr. Bo to share his. And so I was like, amen. And so I was there fiddling with the light again, and then it finally came out. How did that make you feel? I was excited. I ran down the stairs to my dad. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You see, what she experienced here was she had a moment. She invited God into that moment. God responded in that moment. And she was happy, excited, and running down the stairs to, step, to tell someone. That's what moments do. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to build faith. They're supposed to encourage. And they touch other people. That's, that's moments. If we could stand.